day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. All right, we're back. Hour number two. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, back from Canton, Ohio. JT with you, brought to you by our good friends at Sam and Ash. Go to SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Two for one, Sam and Ashley, two of our great friends here. JT's personal injury attorney, SamandAshLaw.com. Check out the website. You need a great injury attorney in Vegas. Vegas is out of control. Vegas is nuts. We're a playground for the rest of people who just come in here and drive like maniacs. So you have to make sure that you have a personal injury attorney just in case. It's SamAndAshLaw.com. Some Gerald McCoy sound coming up here in a little bit. Also Tom Flores and Charles Woodson. And I wanted to open up this hour just sharing a couple of stories about the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, and what it meant to me. And for anybody who went... Call in now with a story or two. As a matter of fact, the rest of the, maybe the next day or two, because we're going to go heavy on the Seahawks game coming up Saturday at Allegiant Stadium and getting you ready for that first and only home preseason game. I'll be anchoring the pre- and post-game coverage with Eric Allen. Excited about that and everything we're going to do. But if you went to the Hall of Fame, we've had a couple of callers in the first hour, and I'm wide open this hour, free for the whole hour, to share some Hall of Fame stories, 702 365 9,200, because you should have a story. If you don't have a story to tell from there, I don't know what why you went. That was a hell of a place to tell a story. So my wife and I flew in on Friday, and we got in on Friday, and it was kind of a travel day. And we stayed at the Red Roof Inn, okay? And that's the first part of the story. So we checked. My wife's from the Midwest. She's from Lincoln, Illinois, a small town. And we're in Canton, Ohio, a small town. And we pull up to the Red Roof Inn, and it was a roadside hotel but the key was location 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 it was right across the street from the global holiday inn where all of the hall of famers must stay hall of famers stay at the holiday inn they moved them from the mckinley grand they make them stay there i'm talking from one side of our parking lot we walk over to the other side and we're inside the holiday inn so we get in the room and the towels or like napkins. You ever get a hotel, go into a hotel and you get your towels and they're like napkins or like the size of a napkin. Problem here, wife, get up to the front, get some towels. So I get up to the, t- we were close to going to TJ Maxx and buying towels. And it was a nice stay. So we hung out there. Then my buddy Jay Mack from Dallas, he showed up and he had an adjoining room not too far away. So we had a good time. We had a good bunch of good times. But night one for me was about dinner with the Bolitnikovs. So the Blitnikoffs go to one restaurant and run West restaurant only, Bender's. And Bender's has been there since the 1890s. And it's in the same building, family-owned, incredible. So we get there for dinner. We meet at the bar. We're hanging out with Fred. Fred's got the gold coat on. Now we're in. So we have a couple of drinks. We go to our dinner table. And who comes? James Lofton and his wife. Mike Haynes and his wife. My wife and I, Fred and Angela Bolitnikoff, and then later on, um, Mark Davis, Marcel Reese joined us. So we had this unbelievable table, great dinner, amazing night. So when that ended, here's one of my ba- favorite stories of the trip. Mark Davis and Marcel leave, and they have a driver. They're doing their own thing. And the Hall of Famers are looking around. They're going, 
well, who should we call for a ride? Because the Hall of Famers have their own drivers if they need them. And my buddy J-Mac said, you could all fit in the SUV. I looked around. I said, that's nine people. How are we going to fit in the SUV? You had the front row. You had the second row. The third row. So we could do it. And then the back back. So I climbed in the back back back. The hatch. Which was... I climbed in the hatchback, and I stood in the hatchback, and they were laughing. James Lofton, you could hear his beautiful laughter from up front, and they're mocking me as I'm sitting there cramped in. I'm sure you've all done this in your life. You got in the back, back, back. Well, I was chosen to do this. A couple of wives sitting on laps of their husbands, and we drove all the way back to the Holiday Inn. Now, the best part of this story was we got back to the Holiday Inn, and the doors opened, and you got the Bolitnikovs, the Haynes, and obviously the Loftons, and they roll us right in to the restaurant bar of the Hall of Fame. So now it gets good. We're sitting in this bar, and there's Dan Marino, and then there's Emmett Smith, and then there's Franco Harris, and they're all coming in, and we're behind. We're in this room, and to watch these conversations was so cool. Angela Bolitnikoff was uh, breaking out her own wine, the Bolitnikoff wine. So at the end of the night, the bar closes. Because it's not Vegas. It's Canton. So the bar closes at 2. And we're sitting outside with Angela Bolitnikoff. Freddie went up to bed. And a couple other people. And Emmett Smith is about 20 yards from us outdoors on a Holiday Inn patio. You can imagine what that looks like. And Emmett's noticing that there's no beverages left. Bar's closed, closed. I mean closed. And uh, we have the only booze left, the Bolitnikoff wine, which was popping smooth. So Emmett came and sat down and had a glass of wine. And talked for a while, and I appreciate that. Had the cigar going. Told some stories about Freddie and other guys. So the first night is my always my conversation. That's always the late night. And that went late. I'm talking late. So that was, that was Friday night. So it ended up with Emmett Smith cigars, end of the night. And my wife and I walked across the street, went back to bed. But the hook was we had a meeting at 9 a.m., in the archives of the Hall of Fame. So this was Mike Lamb, former sports talk host in Sacramento, who now works through with Ronnie Lott and does a lot of work with the Hall of Fame, set us up for a personal tour because we saw him at the restaurant and says, but it's going to be at 9 in the morning. Can you get there on Saturday? And I said, absolutely, we would love to. So longer story short, my wife and I get up, (laughs) get up at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we find our way to the Hall of Fame. And we get into the Hall of Fame. We're wearing Raider gear. So I got Tom Flores' shirt on. My wife's got a Raider legend shirt on. And they walk us in to the basement of the hall, into the archives. So we get into the archives, and there's a gentleman by the name of John Kendall who took over for Joe Horrigan, and Joe had that job forever. And he comes out. So it's just like a movie. White gloves on. You know, like you can't touch anything. So my wife and I get in there. He introduces himself. Great. He goes, it's going to be about a 40-minute discussion I'm going to have with you. So he walks us into the archives, and all of a sudden, my head's on a swivel. I'm like, what is this? So we're sitting there, and there's all these documents out on a table. And again, he's grabbing these pieces of paper by the corner. And the first document he shows us is Bill Belichick's introductory letter to the Detroit Lions to ask for his first job in NFL history. There's one copy of this letter. Belichick donated it. It's unbelievable. It's a great lesson for kids who are looking for a job. Well-written, looking forward to getting into lead. Belichick. 
Then I look in front of me, and it's Paul Brown's notes with the Cleveland Browns as he's architecting plays. Then they had a Vince Lombardi slide that, remember, he used to put up on the slideshow, and it had that. But then what was really cool is I looked in front of me, and there was a whole bunch of notebooks, aqua notebooks. And he only had about four or five of them out there. There's 30 or 40 of them. Don Shula donated every one of his practice notebooks to the Hall of Fame. And he opened it up with the gloves on Tuesday, 1971, Shula's notes about practice that day. I said, man, that is pretty cool. There's only one copy of this, and he showed us that. And I go, what's that document there? And he goes, wow, JT, I'm happy you noticed that. This was a document from Paul Tagliabue on 9-11. And it was the notes that the Hall of Fame took and what they had from Paul Tagliabue's meeting that day with Carl Rove and President Bush about would the NFL go on the following week and the handwritten notes from the commissioner at the time, Paul Tagliabue. And I'm a New Yorker. 9-11 means a lot. So to see that, couldn't touch it, but had to go over. So to the right of me, there was the Holy Grail. There was a bust, like a mannequin, with the Johnny Unitas game-worn jersey. The Johnny Unitas game-worn jersey from the greatest game ever played. The championship game of 58 there and his high-top sneakers. And I'm like, oh, my God, is that it? He goes, no, that's it. And we're looking at that, and my wife notices some guy walking in, wheeling something in. And they walk in, this, these two individuals, two men, and they're setting up Peyton Manning's mannequin to go next to it. And I go, what's going on? Well, they said, Archie Manning's coming in after you, JT, at 1030, and we're setting up all Johnny Unitas' stuff, real stuff with Peyton's best stuff that we have in the hall. So Peyton wore high tops in honor of Johnny Unitas when he died. They were out. Peyton's jersey, Peyton's gloves, and they were combining this exhibit so Archie could see it. That was cool as hell. And then we went into the archives. We went to the back of it, and they took us to the George Allen collection where all of his audio and all of his notes are there, the former head coach. We started to look at all of this, and then they opened up a couple of vaults, and they had what I thought was pretty cool, the goalpost that was torn down from the greatest game ever played, Colts beating the Giants on the first-ever overtime game. So they had a piece of the shattered goalpost there. And just all of this cool stuff. So it all wrapped up, and we thanked this gentleman. And then we rolled into the Hall of Fame. The, the tour, the archive tour was over. And then we went into the Hall of Fame. And my wife and I were having a pretty cool time going up there because that was the first time my wife's ever been in the Hall of Fame to see the, the bust of all the players. And then I'm bumping into Raider fans who were there, and the Raider fans are trying to get their pictures with Charles Woodson's bust and Tom Flores's bust. And then all of a sudden, Cliff Harris walks in. Cliff Harris, newest member of the Cowboy Hall of Fame, so he took pictures with fans at his bust, and it was just fantastic. So we walked around for about an hour, went and sat in that little movie theater. They had like an 18-minute movie on the history of the Super Bowl, which was cool. Then we stood in line for a few moments and saw all the Super Bowl rings of every team. They have a ring, and they just got the Tampa Bay ring two days before that. And the lady who was in charge of that exhibit saw I had a Raiders shirt on, and she said, oh, the Raiders have the best. I go, what do you mean? She goes, I'm asked all the time who has the best ring. She says, well, the Raider ring holds up. After all those years with all the rings now from Super Bowl 45, 51, 52, because Al Davis put so much thought into those rings. And we were able to do that and see that for a while. And then after that, we took a couple pictures outside the Hall of Fame. 
And then they had a beer tent. My wife and I went in and had a beer, and we just sat there and looked at each other and go, what was that all about? She's like, I can't believe what we saw in those archives. And we saw really cool exhibits about the history of the game, and it just went right through me. It was pretty emotional to be able to see all that. So we're going to have the archivist on the show here next week. He needed about a week because he's been working for 30 days straight, getting the Hall of Fame ready. But it was a beautiful experience. And then that second night, I just want to wrap up this portion of the story, Bobby, and we'll get out to the calls. So that night, night number two, we went back to dinner with the Bolitnikovs. This is before Tom Flores' event. We went back to Bender's where we were having dinner with the Bolitnikovs. So when we got there, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, in one corner of the room. Another group in the corner of the room. Hall of Famers left and right all in the room, and we're sitting right in the middle of the restaurant. It was just us four, Fred and Angela, my wife and me. And Peyton walks in. So Peyton walks into the room, and he quickly goes to his table in the corner, which is only about 10 feet away, and he's with Brandon Stokely, a couple of his former teammates, his wife's his kids, and he has dinner. We had about a two-hour dinner. He had about an hour and 45-minute dinner, and when he got up from the table, he came over to our table. And I knew it was happening, so I told my wife lightly, Get your camera ready. And she grabbed her phone, opened it up. Yeah, she wanted the photo credit. And I posted this picture on a Facebook at JT the Brick and on Twitter. And Peyton came over to the table and leaned over on Fred. And I took this picture, my wife did, that is incredible. It's, it's Peyton looking down at Fred. And they were talking about the first time they met it. Then, then the Home Depot Awards with the Bolitnikoff Award and all that. And to see Fred congratulate Peyton and Angela congratulate Peyton and Peyton so sincere about it, it felt like, I'll tell you this much about Peyton Manning. No, this is my opinion. It felt like the bleeping president of the United States walked into a restaurant. If you've been privy enough to see that or to see anybody think like that happen, I don't know what Peyton Manning's going to do with the rest of his life. There's a story out today about him becoming the next commissioner of the league, which makes a lot of sense. When Peyton walks into a room, and his speech was the all-time but greatest speech I've ever seen. Well, four times I've been to the Hall of Fame. It's Peyton Manning and everyone else. Everyone else did a beautiful job, but Peyton's speech was incredible. Peyton to come up to our dinner table and talk about four or five minutes with Fred was really like seeing a football painting. And then afterwards, we were, we're hanging around, and uh, here comes Chris Berman. And he's, uh, he says, how'd you like that? When I said, Raiders. And he said, I heard you guys out there. He said, Raider Nation represented very well. Saturday night, I was at a function uh, a fundraiser with Tom Flores and them for his uh, fundraiser. Yes. And met him, got a picture, an autograph. He looked so humbled mm-hmm. and so gratified that he's getting in the Hall of Fame. And when he came up to do his speech, got tears in my eyes because here's a guy that I watched won two Super Bowls for us, and he's not a young man anymore. He's 84, and I'm so glad that he got to experience this. It was well yeah. worth it, and it was, it was a great time out there. You could see it in his face. I mean, you, you, had that, you had that one-on-one time with him. I did. I'm going to share some of that later. And to see the look on his face, you know, if he was in his wheelchair or if he was standing up, it, it, it was just the pinnacle of his life in football. And I thought the speech was incredible because it showed him when they introduced him in the video at the Hall of Fame, a lot of it was him as a player, as a quarterback. And I think a lot yeah. of the fans who were in there were like, 
oh, my God, I know Tom Flores coached the Raiders. I didn't know he played and was the first Latino quarterback, and they had some great highlights of him as a quarterback. Yes, they did, yes. Good. I'm happy you and your son had a great time and great meeting you, man. I hope to see you out here. You coming out to Allegiant Stadium? Um, Yes, sir. Probably going to the Cincinnati game. Good. Look us up when you come out here. We'd love to show you around. Sure will. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Great to see you. Appreciate you coming in from Philly. Another person listening on the Raiders mobile app, 702-365-9200. Who do you think gave the best speech? What was your Raider highlight? What was your Raider highlight of the weekend? Was it Charles Woodson? Was it Tom Flores? If you went there, did you meet uh, some of the other Raiders who were there? I thought there was a good Raider turnout, you know, really good Raider turnout in general uh, with who was able to make it. You know, some of the guys are getting up there in age. But for me, it's Fred Bolitnikoff. What Fred Bolitnikoff did for me and my wife and his wife, Angela, I can never repay him. I mean, they took me behind the scenes and gave me a look at the Hall of Fame and the, the restaurants and the people that they know and that's why they're so special to me. I was very humbled. I like to share just a few stories because these were private event stories. And coming up, I'll tell you about what happened inside the Flores party. We have Gerald McCoy sound coming up. And then what I saw inside the party and what Raider legend blew me away the most. Because I introduced a whole bunch of gold jacket guys. And there were other former players that spoke. And the Flores family spoke. But I want to tell you, the one legend who spoke that blew me away and it had a life-changing experience with me, that's coming up, 702-365-9200. That's brought to you by Modelo. I, didn't have, I wasn't able, to, Bobby, to have a bucket of Modellos. I just had the drafts when I was there. So maybe I'll have two heading into the weekend or after what we have this Raider game coming up on Saturday. Psyched to be in the building with Eric Allen. All the details on the pregame coming up. Brought to you by Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. Brewed as a model of what good beer should be. JT only drinks good beer. I don't drink bad beer. That's why I'm thrilled to be in business with Modelo. Oh, the fighting spirit. What a perfect connection for this show. Gerald McCoy spoke today. What will his role be? And some stories coming up inside the Flores party and what I saw due to the greatness of the Raiders. Davin Joseph, who went to Oklahoma, was a Pro Bowl guard for Tampa. He's one of my mentors, Tommy Harris, Warren Sapp. Um, and, you know, it's crazy because I played against him twice a year, but we trained together in the offseason as Drew Brees. He's one of my main mentors who taught me how to really be a pro. Gerald McCoy, newest member of the Silver and Black, new defensive tackle who was not listed high on the depth chart, but... That's because he just got here, and we'll see what happens. I'm going to get into that tomorrow, the unofficial depth chart. I'm sure Q and Vinny and the morning show got into it. I want to go through this because I think it's kind of interesting what we're seeing here, especially on the defensive side. So we had John Gruden to lead off the show today. If you missed that, we'll probably re-air it Friday like we did last year. And look, I'm, I've interviewed Coach now a bunch, and we have him on every week on TV as I host a Gruden television interview every week. And – there's only there's so much you're going to get out of Coach Gruden this time of year. Okay, Coach Gruden is not going to be combative. He's not going to be controversial. 
but he understands, and I wanted to get the point to him in that interview, is why Gerald McCoy? Why now? And he made it clear. I mean, they think he can play, and they're bringing in players who are better. This evaluation deal is real. They are evaluating players on an hourly basis over there. And if they don't have a good practice, you wouldn't be surprised if they was they slid down the depth chart. It's getting to that point where there are guys, guys like Carl Nassib, Solomon Thomas, Cleland Farrell, uh, Damon Arnett, uh, Nate Hobbs, Carl Joseph. A lot of players on this team that want to play. And they're considered backups on the depth chart, and they're just looking for any chance to become starters again. And we're going to see that. Foster Moreau. Foster Moreau's a hell of a player. You look at Edwards and Moreau and Ruggs. Those are three guys who all have the ability to pop this year, and every practice is going to make a big difference. I don't know what we're going to see Saturday in this preseason game. I'm disappointed in football in general. It had nothing to do with the Raiders. I'm just disappointed in football in general on how much everybody discounts preseason football. Considering I just got back from the Hall of Fame and all those Hall of Famers played six preseason games and did double practices a day in pads sometimes and did it. Now, I know you got to change with the times, but I want to see these guys play. I want to see what they can do in a dress rehearsal preseason game, and I hope we are able to see it. Let's get back to uh, Gerald McCoy. Well, let me get Mikey in Manhattan first because he's calling from New York City, Staten, Italy, and then we'll get to the sound. What's happening, Mikey? Yo, JT, man, loving every minute of it. I went crazy when you showed that on Twitter, those archives. That Belichick letter was, uh, it just goes to show you what a great organization the Detroit Lions are. (laughs) But, uh, JT, so I was in Houston for the UFC fight, and I know Houston had a a pretty good history of of football, but let me tell you, I was was with an ex-NFL player for 13 years, and we watched every minute of the Hall of Fame ceremony, and and I didn't realize how much the Hall of Fame means to actual players. I know how much it means to me, me being a Jet fan with you know not that many Jets in the Hall of Fame. But he on every word, and and you're right. There was some great speeches this year uh, compared to years past. Maybe because we missed it a year, it was just very emotional. And and again, and I asked you before you left to put up as much as you can and and when when i tell you eating up all of this about the about the hall of fame is amazing i can't believe what that could have looked like those plays that were drawn up on paper that that i mean that's history and 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 vince lombardi's you know the slides that's just mm-hmm. stuff i read about in a book mm-hmm. i've never seen it and and jt can anybody go down into those archives or you have to you have to have that set up. You have to have it set up. You have to have an appointment from a friend or a friend or someone else. We had it set up through a buddy of mine who's connected to the Hall of Fame. But I, I think you could probably get a, a get a, a an opportunity to be down there. I just don't know how you do it. I've, I was fortunate and lucked out that I had a friend who, who knew how to make the hookup. Hey, and, JT, that was a perfect call with your guy talking about betting mm-hmm. uh, exhibition football. He was right on the money. It's all, and I told you that a couple of weeks ago. It's all about the uh, information and the fades with it. Outstanding, JT. Great talking to you. Welcome back. And I was jealous of you this weekend, my friend. Oh, appreciate it, Mikey. Thanks for the call from Staten, Italy. Appreciate you. Yeah, I mean, I'm just sharing these stories because that's what I'm supposed to do more of. I just talk too much sports. I don't share stories about getting coffee. I don't share stories about movies. 
I'm not a comedian. I don't try to talk to six guys at once on my show. But when I got a good story, I try to tell you. And I, I had some pretty good stories. And coming up, I'm going to tell you about the stories inside the Flores party and the Charles Woodson party, which was cool as hell, too. But I want to get to Gerald McCoy, who spoke earlier today. And there's been a lot of McCoy talk about what influence he'll have. He's just happy to be back in the league and have another shot. The goal always was to come back because I knew immediately as soon as I got hurt, especially with a leg injury, 32 years old, been in the league 11 years, people immediately assume, oh, that's it. He's a D tackle. He's older, knee injury. Will he be able to come back? I love when people count me out. I'm from the south side of Oklahoma City, 405. It's not very many people that do what I've done. I'm not talking about the success of football. I'm talking about just lasting this long in the NFL. So, uh, you know, I've been a fighter my whole life. So it was nothing but another fight to me. Yeah, this guy is a fighter. He is a warrior. He's a true warrior from his OU days and what he does now. So he doesn't have to prove to anybody. If he's healthy and he got cleared by the Raiders to play, now the question becomes how much gas he has in the tank and what he can bring to this team. I believe that uh, this team is going to catch a lot of people off guard. And there's a lot of talent in this locker room. And um, defensively, you know, uh, what I can bring is just my leadership and experience. More than just uh, what I can do on the grass, what I can do, um, you know, on the side while guys are learning in the meeting rooms. Yeah, Gerald McCoy seems like he's interested in being a mentor and helping out some of the younger players who are here. And there's a lot of players on the defensive side who are young and could look up to him. Just teaching guys how to be pros. I always believe there's a difference in being a professional and a pro. When you get drafted, or whether you don't get drafted, um, undrafted, free agent, whatever, once you sign a contract in the NFL, you're a professional. It doesn't make you a pro. Being a pro is how you approach every day, how you prepare, how you watch film, what do you do when times get tough on the field, what are you eating, you know, how are you learning how to be successful in this league. That's what – I believe it's being a pro, and not all professionals know how to be pros. So my experience, I can help a lot of the young guys and even some of the experienced guys, teach them how to really be a pro more than just a professional football player. This is fantastic. I mean, this is you can't make that up. You have to have this many years in the league, six pro bowls, to be able to sit there at a podium and talk this way and for people to realize you're telling the truth because you've walked the walk. But again, you could just tell from Gerald McCoy today, he's just thrilled to be back, to have another opportunity to prove what he can do. Just knowing that a game is coming up and I'll be on a team is excellent, man. I'm, so, I'm just so blessed to be here. Like, every day I walk in this building, you know, I always, when I would go out on the practice field, I always would say, thank you, God, for allowing me to be out here. But every day I walk in this building, and when I walk on that turf, I just thank God so much for allowing me to be back in a building because you never know. As much as you want to fight to get back, somebody has to give you an opportunity. It doesn't matter how much you believe you're ready or how much work you put in. Somebody has to give you an opportunity. And the Raiders did that, and it's such a blessing. It's a, uh, it's a privilege to be here. Yeah, he is privileged and excited to be here. I like the humbleness of Gerald McCoy. I, don't, I know him a lot. I know him well as a football player. The stats, I watched him play. It's one of the best defensive tackles for a decade in this league. 
and it's one of the spots that the Raiders have missed out on for the last decade, is having a game changer. And he's saying all the right things. And he was asked more about the D-line and the competition level and who's going to be there. Very explosive players and um, guys who just need to fine-tune some things. And very little things that I've seen since I've been here that I've pointed out, guys are saying, wow, I never thought about it like that. And you can already see it. I don't know if y'all watched practice today, but have you seen how that D-line was rushing today, how they've been getting after the offense? It's very little things. Yeah, he's talked about that. He stayed with the little things and the difference because the defense earlier today had a better day than the offense. And maybe all of a sudden it's because Gerald McCoy, this guy's in town. When you get a vet that knows little nuances and, you know, give little tips and keys to help with whether loosening your alignment, tightening your alignment, when to use this move, what you see, where's the backfield set, what is the formation? What does the tackle give you? Is the guard patting his hip? Where's the quarterback's foot? How to get off? Okay, if that quarterback, is his knees rocking out? Do his knees turn in? Little things. The difference in being a pro and a professional. This guy's a preacher. I mean, he's the preacher, Gerald McCoy. Preaching about defense and how to be a pro. I loved it. He was asked about Allegiant Stadium and having that practice there and what he thought about it for the first time. Oh, it's so dope, man. The greatest thing about this stadium is that it's grass. I, you know, you expect you go in there and see turf, and then you get grass. It's like, man, this is excellent, you know, because that turf is it's tough on your knees, and you go to some stadiums, turf is a little thick, and it's different. But in that stadium, man, it's just it's a great place to play football. I'll just say that. Yeah, Mark Davis made that clear when they built it. He wanted grass, period. Period. That was a non-changer. You could not change Mark Davis's mind on the fact that they wanted grass. Just like Oakland, grass was coming in there. And there's one player that really appreciates it. We're wrapping it up with Gerald McCoy's sound as he spoke to the media today and, again, talked about being a mentor. But hopefully all these young guys are listening to his wisdom. Same thing here. I'm saying, hey, I'm going out early. We're going to get extra handwork, work on our footwork, our timing. Guys are showing up. After practice, I do extra. Guys are showing up. So um, they're being extremely receptive to everything that I'm saying. Wow, he sounds like a coach. He sounds like a future coach in this league if he wants to do it. Fantastic. And uh, he's, I, I'm going to say this because I know a lot of people told me this on and off the record. He's the leader now on this defense. He's the team leader. If he doesn't get injured, which we don't expect him to, we want him to be healthy. Cross your fingers. And he gets all the reps in, and he's ready to go because he's been a leader everywhere else. Before you can lead, you have to follow. So, you know, a vet come in or a vet's on teams. If you give a scout team look, you don't expect the vet to be the guy to give the look, right? You expect the young guys to give the looks, move the bags, do all that. What I try to do is be the guy who's moving the bags, be the guy who's giving the look. Because if the young guys can see, man, this vet, he's been in the league all these years, made all these Pro Bowls, this, he's still giving the look. He's still trying to help guys. Why can't I do it? And that's how you come together as a team. That's how you grow as a unit when your leaders are showing how to be a great follower before they lead. And then the young guys, they just come along, and that's how you build a team. Yeah, I'm not just saying this because I work for the team and we're on the flagship station, but there's about four guys on this team that I would hire right now for media deals. I'm dead serious. I would hire Richie Incognito. After his press conference, I just hire him to do something in the media. Don't know what television station's listening or whatever. I just hire him. I'd hire that guy, Gerald McCoy. But he's not, he hasn't been here much, that long. You know, he's going to prove himself, but he's proved himself. How great did he handle himself talking? Carl Nassib. 
after he came out as gay, you knew they were going to have that big press conference. He knocked that press conference out of the park. It's, I don't know what they're doing. Will Kiss, I don't know if Will Kiss is putting together these, these meetings at night to get these guys talking a certain way. They've been exceptional. The depth of Solomon Thomas when he spoke, oh, my God, was incredible. So there are players on this team who have wisdom. They want to speak. Hunter Renfro, love hearing from him. How they, how they put their thoughts together. It's good sound, man. I don't know how you don't play all this. I mean, we could have literally played this whole press conference and it would have been better than listening to me for the next 10 minutes. I mean, that guy was fantastic. Gerald McCoy, but put up. He's, gonna, he's a guy that you don't say put up or shut up because he's, he's put up in this league. He has two more years like this. He's Hall of Fame worthy. He's a Hall of Fame candidate with the numbers that he's put up. If he has another couple of years like that, I just don't know how much Richie Incognito and him have left. I don't know. I'm hoping they have two years left or one year. You know what I really hope they have? I hope they have those first two games against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, where this team last year started off 2-0. and And it got built a lot of momentum, but there were no fans to come back to Vegas for. Now we're going to have fans crazy. Also, I want to hear from you. What do you think of the stadium and how loud it was for practice? Do you think that the stadium is going to be louder than most? Most people are telling me that. And I'll find out on Saturday when I anchor the pre- and post-game show with Eric Allen. Looking forward to getting back into the building, and we're going to tell you about everything that we have going on with the M Resort and Spa. A couple of big events coming up with them, which I'm excited about, and we'll make an announcement what we're doing every road game. Every road game. Not home game, road game. Over at the M, which is going to be a pretty big deal. Excited about that. We also have a couple of new sponsors, partners to welcome this week, which I can't wait to tell you about, too. Tony and Modesto. Thanks for calling in, Tony. What's on your mind? JT, I always enjoy the show. Hey, a couple of real quick things, though. With, uh, with, when you had uh, uh, Gruden on earlier, mm. he talked about that inside pre- re- uh, pressure mm. with those inside tackles. I, I can't wait to watch that. I love the stories you talked about, uh, Peyton and Freddie. What it, that's got to be such an incredible uh, thing. And then with Tom, man, um, I got to go back next time there is it. And that the sad part about it is I don't know in modern day era there's going to be any ra- Raiders. We know the three top three: uh, um, Branch, uh, Plunkett, and um, maybe Lester. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know the next time we're going to have opportunity to go there. So um, I was really moved by it. I thought Peyton killed it on the speech. I love Charles' speech, but. Um, uh, uh, JT, one more thing. He's counting on 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 our two edge guys, um, Yannick and 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 um Max and um and Max. Do you see Coons actually getting yeah. in, in that rotation for sure? Absolutely. I think Coons appreciate the call. Thank you. Good to hear from you. I really appreciate you listening. This you better believe that I expect Coons to come off the edge there, in, in more like a linebacker role than a defensive end role. I, if, if Max is healthy, you don't take him off the field. If Yannick's healthy, you don't take him off the field. they got to play every down. They can. But I think that Max getting a breather and Kuntz coming in, I want to talk more about Tanner Muse and what he could do off the edge. What is Littleton going to be able to do off the edge? Vinny Bonsignor wrote a really good article on the expectations for Littleton, Littleton coming up that I want to get to, too. I told you I didn't have enough time to fit this whole show in. I, I knew I didn't have enough time to do it. And we will have some more tomorrow to get into on. Uh, I want to get into exactly what I, what I see in this first depth chart, which is really important. We're brought to you by Remy Martin. We always say team up for excellence. 
when we're talking X's and O's, I'm doing it with a Remy Martin cocktail, an XO neat. Remy Martin Tercet on the rocks. Remy 1738 or the VSOP in a cocktail. There is no other team that I want to team up with other than Remy Martin's line of cognacs. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. When we come back, a little behind the scenes inside the Flores party. What I can share with you and tell you about it, which was one of the highlights of my career, just to be in that room and the guys that I got to introduce. So that's where we're at here. First day back. Feels good. My voice is not bad, Bobby. Yes, I know you're shocked. Uh, The lack of sleep I had, some of the cocktails that were flowing. But uh, I am rested and ready to go heading into the Seattle game Saturday. The reason I'm here, and the reason I'm second on the program tonight, is that I'm 84 frappin' years old. I've got to go to bed at 9 o'clock. Baby, where's my pillow? (laughs) I love that line, where's the pillow? Tom Flores, 84 years old, was fabulous. JT, back with you. Back from Canton. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. So I just wanted to share a couple things about the night in the Flores party, which was really cool because it was on the campus of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So it was right behind the stage where you saw Tom Flores speaking. It was right across from the archives that I told you that I was in and right kind of underneath the Hall of Fame at the lower level where you came in. If you came in through the main entrance, if you wrapped yourself around, it was in a conference center that they just built pretty much brand new. So they gave that room to Paul Tagliabue, former commissioner, on Saturday night, and they gave it to Tom Flores on Sunday. So a coach reached out to me a a while ago, and we talked, and he asked me to emcee his party. And that was very humbling and really cool. And I knew that about a month ago. And, you know, preparing for this party, there wasn't really much to prepare for because he's such a humble guy. There wasn't a rock band. There wasn't a rapper. It wasn't one of those parties. Lionel Richie performed at couple of parties. I mean, there's some big performances that were going on there. Coach Flores is not about that. This is about his family, friends, kids, and grandkids, and former players in the same room. So I got, I was the first guy in the room because I knew how to be there first, and I got there, and they were setting it up. There were Raider helmets on all the tables, and uh, the night started off where Coach Flores walked into the room, and I said, Coach, I think you should address your guest here within a half hour. And he said, whatever you need, JT, just tell me what to do. So in the corner of the room, they had an area with his bust, his bronze bust, where you could take pictures with him. That's what's common at these Hall of Fame parties is the bust is there, and the player or the coach stands by the bust for most of the evening and takes pictures. That's what they do. But Coach Flores is 84 years old. He was in a wheelchair at the event. I didn't want him to stand up there the whole night and just be there taking pictures. So... About a half hour in, his son came to me, Scott, and he said he's ready to go. So we took him to the corner of the room, and I grabbed the microphone, and I welcomed everybody. And I said, let's welcome in the newest member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Tom Flores. And Coach spoke for about 15 minutes, and it was from the heart. And he thanked everybody for being there, his former players. And it was fabulous, and it was incredible. So at that moment, I got the mic back, and I said to myself, We're going to get a couple of guys to speak at a time. But the whole focus of the night was that every half hour we're going to stop and we're going to tell some stories. 
with whoever wants to talk about Coach Flores. So Mike Haynes went first. I introduced Mike, and Mike spoke for about 10 minutes about the impact that Coach Flores had on his life and the Super Bowl <coughs> that he won and how he was just, just the grace of Mike Haynes, the gentleman raider to speak. I mean, it's beautiful to hear this gentleman speak and about what a human being Mike is and what, that humanity that he had with Coach. So he was great, and then Tim Brown won second. And Tim didn't play for Coach Flores, but Tim started off by saying he came in the year after Coach Flores was done and said he must have been pretty good because he was still allowed in the building. And everybody was laughing because Coach Flores was still around and the impact that he had and how Tim thought that Coach should have been in the Hall of Fame. Tim was outstanding. So this is when it got real. So Marcus Allen spoke third. And I gave the microphone to Marcus and... I don't think I've ever heard this gentleman speak. And I think I'm I'm safe to say because Marcus makes money speaking professionally. Now, that's what he does. If he's ever given a speech better than the one he gave in that room, I'd love to hear it. Because he spoke from the heart about how Tom Flores was the guy who gave him all his great opportunity. And never said no to a play to him. Did everything he could to make him the man that he was. It was raw. It was emotional. Marcus stopped multiple times. Because he was emotionally moved by it, stopped his speech, went over and leaned down and hugged Coach Flores. I mean, it was about as impressive of a moment that I, I don't know Marcus Allen well, but it was about as, as impressive as anything I've heard. And then before I went to break, I saved my career because I was going to break. And then I looked up and I said, there's no bleeping way we're not hearing from Jim Plunkett. I mean, Jim could have went first. It didn't matter who went first. Jim grabbed the microphone, and Jim got emotional about how long we had to wait for Coach Flores, and he spoke about the relationship that he had with Tom. They won their two Super Bowls together, Flores and Plunkett, both Latino quarterbacks. And Jim Plunkett, who you hear over the years, was about as good as Jim Plunkett's ever been, period. He was just outstanding. So then we took a little bit of a break, so I walked around the room finding out who's going to talk next, and then Paul McGuire who is his best friend, played in the AFL, one of only 20 men to play their entire career, every AFL game, Paul McGuire. That's Tom's best friend, Coach Flores. He gave a beautiful speech about their friendship and how Tom made him a better man, and he's the man that he is today. Wasn't a dry eye in the room. And then Art Shell comes up. This is good, Bobby. So Art Shell comes up with his gold jacket on, And Art gets ready to speak, and this is after there was a break, so people are getting food, and you can hear the clanking of people putting their plates down and ordering to a bartender. He gets there. It takes him about 10 seconds to realize it. And he goes, hey, stop. Art Shell basically told the whole room, pay attention. I'm about to talk about greatness. And everybody (laughs) was quiet, and Art spoke for about 10 minutes on the greatness of Tom Flores and the impact that he had on his life. And that was pretty deep. And then it went into Van McElroy and Jerry Robinson and other players. And then at the end of the night, I had the true pleasure of introducing Barbara Flores, Tom's wife, to the room. And we sat around the table, and she talked for 10 minutes about her love affair with Tom and how long they'd been together and the grandkids in the room and all the grandkids surrounded the table and the kids, and it was great. It was deep. It was like this guy, Tom Flores, is the most loved human being on the campus, 
of the Pro Football Hall of Fame as he sat there in his wheelchair with his gold jacket and a nice fresh cocktail in his hand every chance he wanted with a big smile on his face, taking pictures with his grandkids. So that was amazing. It was great to see former President Mark Bedane and his wife there, Mark Davis, everybody having this great moment, all the Raider alumni. And then when it wrapped up, my wife and I uh, got over to Charles Woodson's party and we walk in and you can hear coming up to the country club, the music popping. And we got into that party, which was really nice. And Charles stopped off the dance floor and gave us both a hug. And we were able to just spend a few moments with him. And then it was just all of Charles's friends from Ohio and Michigan. And the room was just incredible with Emmett Smith and Warren Moon and all the other individuals that came in late, the defensive players that paid tribute to him. And I was just blown away to see everybody in the room there outside smoking cigars. And Charles spent a lot of time with his wife and kids on the dance floor just dancing and having the night of his life. So just part of the experience in Canton, Ohio. I wanted to wrap up the show with this because, you know, it was really emotional to be there. I don't think I'll ever, I don't think I'll ever have an event like this in my life personally where I can thank another person as much as I want to thank Again, the Bolitnikovs, the Flores family, Charles Woodson, the Raider organization for giving me this opportunity, but especially the fans who were there. Because if you were a Raider fan, you had to be proud to see the turnout. It was a home game for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys, but a lot of those fans looked around and they just saw Raider Nation everywhere, from the black hole to Violator. I went to the Violator exhibit and took a photo there. Great to see him. I wish I would have been able to bump into him. I didn't see him when I was there. Gorilla Rilla the whole crew from the black hole that was there. But it was just an honor to play a small, tiny role in that night and to get a chance to see Coach Flores at the top of his life with his wife, his kids, and his grandkids celebrating something at 84 years old that should have happened at 58 years old, 61 years old, 72 years old. And you wouldn't see any bitterness. He just did. He just did what he needed to do. And he stood up there, and he gave the Raider Nation something to be very proud about. So that was good. Now my focus is Cliff Branch. By this time next year, if we could be back there for Cliff, yeah, I'd have to take a couple days off and go back to Canton again. Believe me, I'd race there. I'd walk there for Cliff Branch. And he's next up along with a couple other Raiders that we've mentioned today. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Thanks to everybody who listened, called in, had some pretty good stories. Now we're on to Seattle, the first preseason game on Saturday. And it's the only preseason game here at home. So the turnout should be amazing. Raider Nation, we'll see you out there. we got a couple of shows going the rest of the week with some special guests. And thanks to John Gruden for kicking off the show today. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.